Anthony Smith. Hopefully everybody can hear me out there. Welcome to Freightonomics, the podcast slash show, depending on how you're listening, watching, uh, where we combine that macroeconomic environment with the transportation, global supply chain uh, stuff so you can get the information you need for whatever it is that you want to do with your life. And I'm here with Chief Economist Anthony Smith this week. And this week's show, before we let Anthony do his thing, it's going to be about the transitioning market and some of the data signals that we're seeing around it. Isn't that right, Anthony? That's right. The sky is falling. Oh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not falling, <laughs> but it, it could be concerning if you look at some of the data points. And so yeah. that's like, as I said, what this show is going to be about, some of the transitional data points that we're looking at right now and what we're really seeing in the underlying trends. So excited to jump into that. Of course, as I mentioned, this is Freightonomics. And if you see me looking down, I promise I'm not being that rude. I'm only being a little bit rude. I'm oh, also right. looking on LinkedIn. So if you're watching right now, we're live streaming. Just so happens to be 12 Eastern Standard Time on a Thursday. Chances are we're live right now. So if you want to jump into the conversation, feel free to jump into that chat. If you want to get the full experience, you can go to live or tv.freightwaves.com and get into our Freightwaves ecosystem and also download our app and all things amazing. So Without further ado, Zach, let's let's jump into it. We've, been, I mean, it. we're been, we've been adjusting to this twenty-six minute show format for for a few weeks, and it still kind of sneaks up on us. So let's let's get rolling with uh, what we've got. So let's set the table real yeah. quick for the people, especially you know, there's always some first timers uh, out there. Uh, over the last eighteen months, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've had a little bit of some disruption. <laughs> uh, COVID pandemic uh, type environment here has really broken. Uh, a lot of traditional metrics, uh, I guess, and also change a lot of behaviors in the world, especially involving transportation and global supply chain management. And transportation costs along have been inflating well before the inflationary pressure for the rest of the, I guess, the commodities environment and, and things like that were taking place because transportation, of course, uh, got scarce because this huge surge or influx of consumer demand really unexpected, uh, nobody budgeted for it. <laughs> and of course, production shortfalls due to COVID, et cetera, really made things a lot more difficult. So you've got also this subsidizing of demand where we had all those stimulus packages. Mm -hmm. And then you had supply chain limitations or supply limitations at the same time. So the natural outcome, I mean, you're the economist. Yeah, yeah. What, what happens when you have <laughs> demand that's Exceeding supply. Exceeding supply, and also you inject more money into that demand. Yeah, so <laughs> there's going to be substantial amounts of inflation because now you have more resources to buy the goods that you want, and then you have all these other assets that you might be chasing because you don't know, hey, I have all these funds. What else am I going to put these funds towards? Uh, maybe crypto. <laughs> yeah. Remember the running crypto? That was a big thing. You saw yep. run up in GameStop. So NFTs, NFTs. Things that don't exist. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, people had so much money, they were literally shoving it into imaginary friends. I, I yeah. mean, it's... And, and I guess this is where we get into this, this type of uneasy environment where you and I were talking about inflation last January. Yeah, a year before it even happened in the level of significance that we're seeing today uh, as being like a big risky bubble, uh, because that's what we're, we're talking about today is where the are the are we seeing bubbles start to show some signs of softening or weakening and maybe 
<laughs> eventually popping, yeah. especially in the transportation sector. So we've got a couple of topical stories that I want to lead off with here in the newsonomics. Uh, we've got two of these stories up on FreightWaves.com right now um, that I think are really topical and worth talking about in the context of what we're mentioning today. The first one being General Mills raises guidance after overcoming supply chain constraints. And this is written, of course, by Mike Bowden-Distel, our CPG expert, and also got that financial equities uh, yeah. experience at Stiefel from back in the day. So he knows what he's talking about. When he's, he's a genius. He's looking into all these things. He's not just our rail intermodal expert. He understands uh, the equities markets as well. And that's the context with which this one is written. Uh, so some great takeaways in here, Anthony, and then I'll let you t chime in. So the first thing that grabs my attention, they overcame supply chain hurdles. Mm -hmm. If you read in this article, it's not like they fixed their supply chain entirely. They just made improvements over the last bit to allow them, especially with uh, some of their uh, the pizza dough and hot snacks <laughs> uh, side of their business showing some levels of improvement in terms of availability and management strategies there. Um, they have offset some of their inflation, uh, roughly 1% differential right there. Their costs are inflating at 8%, whereas they're only, they're taking some price increases on their goods uh, at about 7%. So there's still a little bit of margin erosion there. Uh, but it is help, it is better than just straight off passing it along, which is what a lot of these companies traditionally would do until conditions eased a little bit to maintain that market share. Um, and they're hedging. They're hedging their uh, situation in 2023. 2022 to 2023, their fiscal year, uh, they're doing various things to kind of offset some of these costs. They're not marketing goods that don't have as much availability or uh, things that are already in short supply because why would you need to do that? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's wasted money because why would you try to sell something you don't have? Exactly. Um, and then, of course, they are... Spending capital to expand their manufacturing capacity in the coming year, bringing some production in-house because they expect their demand to be sustained at a little bit higher level. Yeah, and so I think, so that last part is the part that really kind of sticks out to me is just that expansion because we're looking at what shippers are doing right now is that they really saw and realized, I think, throughout this pandemic that, hey, our facilities aren't up to par or not in a place to really handle what's going on right now. And so really trying to build out an existing space is going to be difficult. Sometimes you need to put up a whole new facility. Sometimes you need to expand and just kind of like, hey, this whole new segment is just going to right. be new, ramped up and really kind of uh, improved to take on some of these, uh, this influx of volumes that we're seeing. And I think that's where a lot of shippers, a lot of manufacturers are going to have to kind of take a look in the mirror and like saying, hey, where were our shortcomings throughout this pandemic? Right. How can we be efficient? how can we ramp up? Because all the warehouses that we're seeing right now may not be really in a good place right now to take on what we've been seeing. It's all built around, you know, that just in time right. um, thought process. Which is near impossible to manage at this yeah. point. Uh, th this, this article is really a microcosm of our current environment to me. Uh, because another thing they called out here, or Mike calls out here is they've built up their inventory of raw materials and raw goods so that they don't have to rely as much on that just in time. Yeah situation. So they've, they've had just-in-case environment, especially with the you know Ukrainian crisis going on, a lot of uncertainty over the next 12 months around how long that's going to persist because the longer that goes out and stretches out, the global supply of goods and, and commodities is really at risk here. I mean, we already see it with gas prices and gas has a downstream effect on a lot of different goods and items. So 
They're building their upstream inventories, something Zach Rogers talked about last week with us. Go check out that episode if you missed it because it's one of the best ones <laughs> anytime he's on. Uh, and they are building out some long-term strategies to hedge against this type of inflationary environment in the future. Yeah, and I think that's the big part of it is hedging against that inflationary mm-hmm. pressure. And really, the commodities, we're talking about this earlier um, this morning, it, it's difficult to forecast anything like that because you have these events that can happen that can really kind of spike something on a week-to-week basis and then it drops the next week. And I think when you're looking at what's going on in the world and what's going on with these underlying trends, we're seeing right now the slower growth. This were, these were trends that were really kind of set in place months ago. So when we're talking about, you know, looking at our expectations, we were in December for 2022, the expectations were, hey, there's going to be some slower growth. Like we're expecting that. We're, I think everyone's been watching, of mm-hmm. course, consumer sentiment, consumer confidence, things like that. Hey, this consumer is going to hold up that much longer, but they had to keep holding up. And we're going to talk about some of those consumer conditions a little bit later on, like those initial jobs claims last stronghold for those consumers. But the slower growth right now isn't going to be necessarily a um, you know, something to fall out from right. the Ukraine-Russia conflict, but that that could definitely exacerbate it depending on the length and the depth and how severe this is going to be. But really what we're seeing right now is really uh, um, things that have been really in the works over the last few months here. Yeah, it's really hard to put that long-term strategy into place right now. Yeah. Don't you think, Anthony? I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of things that we can actually consistently rely on at this point. Um, I, I think making multi-year forecasts is a waste of energy <laughs> at this point, honestly. Uh, as a person that used to make the budgets multi-year. and forecasts, yeah. um, it, it, was, it was hard to do back then. Now, I just, I don't even understand why you would waste that amount of time. Like, it's hard enough to figure out what's happening three months from now, let alone three years from now uh, at this point. It, there's just so much up in the air. We've got shippers changing their strategies uh, long and short term. There's just not a lot of consistency in, in, the, in the economy <laughs> at no, all. <laughs> no, and, and one of the funny things is uh, when we look at some of the data, we're looking at, you know, like I said, seasonality. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just strange. And it's almost it's like there. expect the unexpected. Yep. Whatever you expect to happen, the opposite. And then you look at the results and that's exactly what's happening right now. So yep. definitely a difficult time. So that's why it makes it so much more important to look at that near real-time data set, what's Daily. happening as of now. Yeah, you really do have to check it uh, a lot more often than you used to. So let's move on to the next uh, piece, which I think is uh, still topical. Uh, this one is written by Eric Coolidge. He was on Freight Waves Now this morning uh, talking about this. Uh, certainly go check out that clip um, if this interests you. But basically, he calls out uh, in this article, will exuberance for air cargo conversions create a freighter glut? Um, yeah. I think I think I think I think I think he doesn't he stopped short of saying that but I think the idea here is that because it's such a long run plan to convert a lot of these passenger jets to cargo freighters that it takes it takes such a long time to do that by the time that they're done you you have to have almost overcorrected uh in my mind because we're already seeing it happen in surface transportation uh, this easing process. And if we pull up this chart on air cargo rates, uh, we're not seeing it yet uh, by any means, but this is just the uh, Freitos Air Index. It's a global composite of the average price per kilogram of uh, you know what it costs to ship goods on a freighter or, or belly cargo in a uh, passenger jet, if you will. And it, we haven't seen a significant decline uh, just yet, but <clears throat> looking at some of our tender data, 
and some of the economic data that we're going to talk about later today, I think it's inevitable uh, that some of that pressure, because air cargo is very, very commodity specific. It's got to be some high value stuff. We're talking about pharmaceuticals, electronics, and that sense of urgency is required to validate the extra cost for some of these goods. So unless the air cargo environment kind of brings down its, its rates, I think, because what we're seeing in trucking right now, the sense of urgency is just not there because they've got this inventory glut. And I think uh, eventually that's going to bleed into these other modes. Yeah, and I mean, this is something that we've kind of seen time and time again within the freight industry where there's just like, hey, the getting's good, so many uh, right. partner people enter, and then it's, it's a perfect practice in yeah. economics of like so many people are going to enter until the, you know, the margins it's are too really much money. Kind of, yeah. It's too much money and you have to do something. I yeah. mean, there's, there's financial investors out there. There's pressure from uh, equity holders and stakeholders like that, that you need to grow and you need to grow your market share and you need to figure out a way to make sure this doesn't happen again. Although it's hard to forecast pandemics <laughs> and the environment that we've had in the past. Uh, I, but I do think that there, uh, there is some obviously value in, if you are committing to this, go ahead and commit to it because you have to. Right. I mean, this is that long-term investment stuff that you uh, you have to make sure that you're able to take on this practice and this type of investment when the cycle changes. And that's the forecast that's hard to hard to do at this point. Yeah, that's difficult to do. And like you said, it's, it's one of those things where you want to put yourself in a position where you're just like, you know, yeah, this is never going to happen again. And right. it's almost like, uh, you know, say you go through some really economic hardship. Say you go through a, a recession of sorts. Mm -hmm. Say you had a house or two and say it was maybe mid-2000s, like right. 2008, 2009. You're like, you know, never again will I be in this position. And so you can correct and make sure you're in a good financial standing. You're right. very, you know, physically healthy, all this other stuff. <laughs> but you could potentially, I won't say overdo it, but you could, you know, say, hey, I am so kind of, you know, changed by this moment that happened that I will not, you know, say I, I'm going to put all my funds into one specific thing and I'm going to do nothing but hoard cash. Right. And now I'm just sitting. But you're on, losing money when you do that. Yeah. Especially in a high inflationary environment. Uh, you know, if you're if inflation's at eight percent and you just have cash, yeah. you're, you're losing eight percent annually. <laughs> right. If it stays that way, uh, of course. And that's that's really bad outcome. Uh, financially speaking, you don't need to talk to a financial advisor. That was pretty. <laughs> um, uh, but again, so I, I want to go ahead and transition into this macroeconomic discussion a little bit, Anthony. And I want to set the table with our outbound tender volume index and outbound tender rejection index first. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's going to be our OTVI and OTRI uh, chart here. Just to kind of trucking tends to be a little bit more of a leading indicator of the durable goods economy and things like that. So what you're looking at here, Outbound tender volume index, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, it's an index based on total tenders to shippers, uh, or two carriers, I should say, from shippers. And the blue line there is the percent of those tenders that is rejected by a carrier. When carriers are rejecting more tenders, capacity's tighter, carriers have other options, they don't, maybe they can't essentially cover all the freight. We've seen 20, 25% tender rejection rates over the last year. This is dropping rapidly in March. We've dropped all the way uh, from 18, 19% uh, uh, 
uh, in early March to 15.6%. And you can see in that trend line, in that blue line right there, it is accelerating. OTVI in the orange line there had some stickiness to it. And it looks like even as tender rejections were kind of falling, demand was still up. Well, now that one has uh, followed suit here and we're seeing some of this demand side stuff erode, Anthony. So tell me why. (laughs) So Zach, I think one of the things that we are looking at here, uh, Noah talked about a little bit earlier on on the carrier updates Mm -hmm. and and shipper updates is some of the slowing trends that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Noah, we're looking at some of the retail sales. We had positive retail sales in this last report in February. Um, you know, great. We want to see that expansion, especially after seeing, you know, four plus percent the month before. Mm-hmm. But when we're looking at what's happening within those retail sales, the subcomponents, we saw non-store retailers had a pretty significant decline. We saw furniture, electronic appliances all have declines. Where we saw upper movement was retail sales for gas stations. You know, some of these things where there's going to be a little bit more energy mm-hmm. intensive. So when you take all those things out, it was either, you know, flat or, you know, negative, right. depending on which subsector you want to look at. And so when you're looking at, you know, the actual goods moving, there are likely fewer goods moving mm-hmm. throughout the economy. And you can see that reflected here um, within, you know, some of the volumes happening right now. And to kind of have a little bit more of a further outlook to that, we got durable good orders that got updated um, just this morning, showing that there were even, you know, a, another downward movement for February for new orders being put in place. Now, this is a forward-looking indicator, but it's showing that there is a slowdown for one month right now. But just one month showing that there has been a downward movement in those new orders, which will lead to fewer shipments and fewer production units overall. So that's just a leading indicator for just one month. But we are seeing that early signs that, hey, there was a peelback just as of the latest retail sales report. Yeah. And we talked to Zach Rogers, Dr. Zach Rogers of Colorado State uh, last last week, and we saw that huge inventory build. Uh, They got traction uh, for the first time since the pandemic started. Uh, back in uh, in January and February. So, I mean, shippers have are now seeing inventories grow rapidly. Uh, demand looks like it's taken a little bit of a hit. Not a huge one just yet, uh, but enough of one. And there's also some concerning factors with the rapid inflation. Uh, when you're talking about food and gas inflating, I know normally we talk about it kind of independent of mm-hmm. each other, but those are things that are going to erode that di- the, all that disposable income that you were spending on electronics and things like that, it's going away. A lot of people are returning to work because the pandemic uh, for now is is kind of waning. Um, And that's going to reduce their time and availability to spend money on these goods. Like there's, there's some, there's multiple societal shifts uh, and changes going on right now that it's going to help reduce. I mean, it has to reduce demand for the consumer products, right? Yeah. And, and I'm, and I, I remember I joked about this a few months ago where I'm like, you know what, I'm kind of okay where if we get to a point where consumer demand just kind of gets eroded yeah. because we need a, to catch up in the supply chain. But when we're looking at, I, I think you used the word waning, I think that's the right term mm-hmm. for it because we'll see a stair-step approach for mm-hmm. a lot of people when they look at, you know, the choices that they make instead of, you know, hey, maybe fresh off of stimulus checks in 2020, you yeah. know, instead of like, hey, my, you know, my phone's being a little bit funny, you know, after someone's check, I'll just get a new one. You know, what's the latest one out? <laughs> Give it to me. Now, you know, you might think of, hey, uh, my phone's getting a little bit funny. Maybe I'll fix it. You yeah. know, it, do I get a new one or do I get it, you know, repaired? Well, they, or, they can't drive to the, the store to get it repaired anymore because it costs $5 a gallon to, yeah, to fill up. And that's, that's, a, that's a double hit right there. Mm-hmm. Like, say you return to work. Now you're spending money, more money on gas because you are just traveling more. And now... 
gas costs twice as much as it did. Yeah. Uh, that's a double dip into that pool of funds. Now, gas prices tend to have a longer run hit to the economy. They normally like kind of show up back in America, in the American economy later down the line. What I think you don't want is this huge spike in anything. You don't want a huge hit uh, one way or the other. That quick, volatile change is really what causes some of that pain, right? It does. And then the, it starts to play on the mind as well. We're right. just like, all right, this is happening right now. And even if it comes back down, there's this mind shift of like, no, I'm paying more here. I have to pay less here now, or I have to really save here. And I think that's where that mindset comes in of like, hey, I won't buy a new unit of whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I'll look to get this unit repaired, or I'm going to hold off on these repairs. And that could be for anything. I know I used an example as a phone, but <laughs> it could be a house. You know, right. Home prices are you know continuing to go up. We're going to see some interesting developments, I think, throughout the housing market as we continue to go into the spring. But maybe if I do have a home, maybe I'm looking into, you know, remodeling. And that was one of the things that we're looking at, you know, last year when inventories are so low. Mm-hmm. Now, inventory is a little bit better, slightly, but now we're seeing, you know, lumber is not <laughs> inexpensive. It is going back up once again. So now you're going to yeah. have to kind of question, hey, is this remodeling, you know, project worth it right now? What, where do I go from here? So, there's going to be a lot of questions where you just kind of, you know, hey, I'm going to take a step down. I won't go to this luxury dinner, maybe. Maybe I'll go to this mid-luxury meal. Or right. maybe I'll just get, you know, the, the drive-through or, or takeout, things like that. And so I think we'll see consumers really start to peel back slowly but surely on certain decisions that they're going to make. Yeah, and I think we're seeing a peel back in the consumer side, uh, really. I mean, it's, it's really a, a downstream impact. I mean, the, the freight market itself, you could see the connection. When If you pulled up the consumer expenditures chart and put it next to OTVI, that's what was propping up the freight market uh, when we look at those tender volumes uh, going up. So I think you can, with a safe assumption, say that a lot of that is probably on the downstream consumer side. Now, yeah. I want to pair that a little bit here. Uh, you know, we've talked about flatbed rejections going up. The housing market is still strong, industrial sector, manufacturing, et cetera. I want to pull up our import demand, our IOTI, uh, to kind of show we've got another side of this equation here that demand is not necessarily gone all away. It's a very it's a very bifurcated response here in terms of we've got this is our IOTI which measures bookings, import TUs coming into the United States from all over the globe on the on the ships. TU index is still up. Anthony, uh, people are still bringing goods in. And we talked to Zach Rogers about this, and he said a lot of this was still upstream. They're holding a lot of this stuff upstream. And I think some of this erosion is happening on that downstream side. I think you've got a complete 100% accuracy on this one. What do you think? Yeah, and then I know we're looking at inventory levels Mm -hmm. through the roof, literally. Yeah. Pun intended. (laughs) And so we're looking at that inventory levels going up. I know it's had the highest reading that we've had in the LMI history. Mm We're seeing warehouse prices go up as well. So this puts those shippers in a very difficult position where it's just like, hey, is it going to be worth pulling these goods in? And now, now that they're in, mm-hmm. I got to I gotta shuttle this stuff off. I got to get it out. Like this stuff has to move. And this also gets concerning to me, Zach, this is going to be a little bit of a shift in a different direction because we're seeing a lot of this inflationary pressure because there is just so many supply chain disruptions right, right now. 
And that's just the fact of the matter. Like, and just like with General Mills, we were talking about, they, they're building their inventory of mm-hmm. raw goods and yeah. raw materials. And I think that's a lot of what's keeping this IOTI up, yeah. is people are now starting to hoard things. It's kind of like the trade war in 2019. It didn't necessarily translate immediately to the surface transportation side. Now you see this hoarding impact. Mm-hmm. And while they're building out their factories, they, they got to build up some stuff so they have it just in case. I think that impact is still there. Uh, and that's what we're going to see probably for a while. Yeah, it's definitely still there. And the thing that makes this really interesting, I think, is the movement from the Federal Reserve. So you hear from Jerome Powell, mm-hmm. who brilliant economist. Uh, of course he is. If He wouldn't be if he wasn't in that position. Um, <laughs> or he wouldn't be in that position if he wasn't one. Um, but one of the things that he mentioned is that, you know, he notices and mm-hmm. noted that, you know, inflation is just way too high and the Fed will take necessary actions. My fear is that um, because this is, a, I think, supply chain-led inflationary period, of course, with the yep. infusion of cash, mm-hmm. interest rates might not be the right tool, although it does need to go up eventually. Is it going to be the right tool to combat this style of supply chain inflation? That's so, the question of the year right there. Yeah, <laughs> and so I think that's I, going to be it. We have things that are naturally going to correct it. The fuel, mm-hmm. food, all these inflationary pressures naturally correct over time. Does the government need to get involved? I guess the Fed's not the government, but... <laughs> that's <laughs> does, another show. Another show altogether. Well, I, I mean, to me, this is a very uh, disparate uh, we're still in a very divided uh, recovery process. Uh, you know, the upstream people going to have a very different impact or experience than the downstream folk. I think we're actually seeing a lot of this downstream stuff show up first, though. Exactly. Right. And I, this is the end of the show. I got to give a shout out to Jason H., who had a comment that uh, we weren't able to get to just yet. But <laughs> thank you so much for chiming in, talking about customers and carriers out there and rates and bids for yearly prices. Oh, man. Jason, <laughs> that, that could have been a whole nother topic. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is Freightonomics. Drink more water. Yeah, have a great week. And man, <laughs> good luck out there. <laughs> Things continue to be... Uh...